0: The Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation.
1: Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night.
2: Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on on the outside. We just do our job.
0: Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle.
1: He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown Washington.
0: Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia.
1: This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleton.
3: Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars.
0: Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321.
3: The throw not in time. Hedgesville scoring to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up
1: 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season.
0: Now live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air.
1: Well, good morning, West Virginia. I'm not Dave Weekly. I'm Luke Wiggs. Parker Stone in studio as well. It's Panhandle Sports Live for this eighth day of November, 2023 as uh, we've gotten into the postseason for multiple high school sports and we're starting to get there for collegiate sports as well. as uh, It's starting to get to a really exciting time of the year. It's already been a really exciting time of the year. And frankly, when you're involved in Eastern Panhandle sports, it's always an exciting time of the year. Park, what's up?
3: Oh, no, nothing too much. Just been hanging around. I had to drive 40 minutes to go to a, a gym yesterday because the uh, the gym that I go to currently is closed this entire week. So that was a uh, fun little adventure. I guess on the opposite side, you get a good workout in and you can go get some cookout afterward, right? So it's a, it's <laughs> just a balancing completely act. completely negate everything. It's a balancing just... act, folks. That's, that's What's silly. your
1: uh, go-to milkshake at cookout? Oh,
3: man. I love the...
1: Uh... The Let pe- us know at the text line three zero four two six three four. I gotta go with the peach
3: cobbler, man. The peach ah, cobbler is fantastic. Too fancy for my taste. Peach cobbler's
1: great. Too fancy for my taste. Uh, but we do love Cookout. This this show unashamedly supports Cookout. Uh, you can always text us, like I just said, three zero four two six three four three two one. Woke up to a text line or a text on said text line that says, "Good morning, good morning to you as well, Texter. You guys are very supportive and complimentary of all local teams while showing no favoritism, unlike other shows. Uh, thanks, he says. Uh, much appreciated and hope it continues. I feel like some, not all of the Muslim and faithful are becoming spoiled with their success from the past few years. If you're a fan of any team long enough, they'll go through adversity and losing. Get over it and stop all the crying. Stay classy and be supportive of the kids as well as the coaches. The last few weeks... Uh, feels like someone is complaining about Muscleman Daily. We have also expressed the sentiment that the majority of the texts that we've gotten are in a Muscleman direction. We love our listeners down in Inwood, and we appreciate texts of any kind, as long as they're not laced with profanity or bullying. Uh, With that said, I I kind of understand what the texts are saying as well. I mean, at the end of the day, they're in the playoffs. You know, At the end of the day, they still finished in the top four, albeit in a six-team conference, but good enough to make the playoffs. And that's important, you know. You're taking on Cabell Midland, and you've gotten to the point where you know anything goes in the playoffs. You're rematching against a team. By the way, we're going to be talking to Brian Thomas coming up here in just a little bit. Um, but I, I agree with a lot of the sentiments of the Texers. Now, you want to be able to aspire to that level of consistent competition to to become like a Martinsburg, but that's easier said than done.
3: I mean, that's most of the time in high school football. That's the way it is. There's peaks and then there's valleys. There's times where For Musselman's sake, you're a team that's one of the top six best or eight best in the state in one year and are able to host in the first round and move on and get to the state quarterfinals. And there's some years where you finish four and six and you're the 16th seed. I mean, it's just just peaks and valleys. And uh, you could say, I mean, there is an argument to be made. Maybe Musselman fans were a little bit spoiled last year with how good they had it. But I brought this up yesterday. When you lose probably – the most Musselman-Appleman quarterback you can make from the ground up in Baden-Hartman, a Division One athlete in Ray Adamas, and a court number of contributors on the defense and on the offense as well that had to graduate. Now they've had younger guys that have had to fill in like Michael Thompson, like Eli Fleming, who, who transferred over and had to learn this offense in four months essentially. Uh, guys that have stepped up like Isaiah Beard, who have had a much larger role than what he did last year, and you still have a piece that is going to be I what we think is potentially a power five athlete in Troy Wollaston right now. I mean, he's, It's right now for this team. They're in a spot where they're consistently making the playoffs. This is the second year in a row. Now, it wasn't like 2021 because you remember in 2021, this team went three and seven. Right. So now you've made the playoffs back to back years. I think that's what you want from a muscleman perspective consistently making the playoffs. Yes, I I understand the sentiment. Well, we're four and six. We had a losing season, but how do we make the playoffs? But you got to look at it from a perspective. Those are really tough teams they've played. It's an offense that's still trying to think, find their feet. There's younger guys playing right now that are trying to grow into their role, and it's going to expand Musselman for years to come as well. And to get that young and thrown that gauntlet of Morgantown, of Cabell Midland, of Martinsburg, of Spring Mills, and Jefferson in the same season, it's it's going to help these guys for the long run. And making the playoffs, I think, is a win for this Musselman team as they get more experience and gain that valuable playoff run for these guys coming up into the future as well
1: well speaking of Musselman we're going to be joined by their head football coach Brian Thomas coming up at the bottom of the hour although we've got to very quickly move through the rest of what we have to do in this first segment because coming up on the other side we're going to be speaking with Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker as well so a little bit of a double dip with two coaches that are coaching in the postseason uh coming up this Friday want to turn our attention to the world of uh High school girls' volleyball and uh, women's basketball as well. The state tournament beginning today down in Charleston, and there is panhandle representation uh, from the Big Two. Hedgesville's the two seed. They take on number seven, Hurricane 130. That game will start um, down in uh, Charleston. It'll be streamed on Video Productions. By the way, Video Productions, from what I understand, is also streaming the uh, Cavill, Midland, and Musselman playoff football game. So we'll provide that link to you on our Twitter, but you can find it on their YouTube page as well. And number three, Musselman is taking on GW. So that game is right after the Hedgesville Hurricane game, and then right after that, those two winners will play each other. So Hurricane, or rather Musselman and Hedgesville, who are both the higher seeds, if they're able to win, will play each other in the state semifinal game this evening down in Charleston. Um, And the question becomes, because obviously no one is, nobody's an easy out at the state volleyball tournament are either of these two teams going to be so caught up in looking ahead to taking on the rival that they're going to, you know, underperform in the first round and get a scare like Hedgesville did against Spring Mills in the sectional.
3: I mean, I don't think so. I think this these are two teams that are focused. They know what the goal is. For Hedgesville, you were just a little bit short of going to a state championship and claiming that title last year for Musselman, you're trying to you're trying to return and be able to be a back-to-back champ. Both these teams have goals in mind. And they want to pursue those. And I think this will be an easy run of first games for these two, taking on the seven and six seeds respectively. They'll be able to match up in what's going to be a thriller in the state semifinals, I think, between those two. And and one that really could go to five sets. I really think this will be the case. I think now we're going to see a haymaker throw from Musselman Volleyball because they've now been beaten twice this season by Hedgesville. Or is it the Eagles' time? Are they going to – shift the power of volleyball in the Eastern panhandle towards Hedgesville and away from Musselman and who will be eventually matching up with on paper, you look at it. And and again, this is Strictly on paper, uh, Morgantown is the number one overall seed, so we'll have to see how that other side of the bracket goes. But it's you could make a fair case saying that state semifinal game is the championship game between these two, because we think by far and away these two are by are one of the best teams in the state of West Virginia volleyball.
1: So let me set the bracket again. So as you mentioned, uh, the top seed is Morgantown. They take on Park South, and the other side of the bracket is Bridgeport and Woodrow Wilson in the four five game. Hedgesville against Hurricane, 1.30 this afternoon. Musselman against GW will be directly following that game. And then they'll play the semifinals tonight. It'll be the Morgantown side of the bracket first at 6.30. And then the winners of the Hedgesville-Hurricane-Musselman GW games right after that. So approximately 8 o'clock this evening. Uh, and then tomorrow, they're going to play the championship sets in order. 11 o'clock for AA, AAA will play right after that. And then uh, right after that, we'll have single A as well. One more thing I wanted to mention. Game number one, win number one for head coach Mark Kellogg of the WVU women's basketball team. Yesterday, they beat Loyola of Maryland 74-39. J.J. Quinnerly, 19 points in the win. Also got a great performance from Lauren Fields and Jordan Harrison, who are both in double figures. Quinterly looks like one of the best guards in the country, and I'm glad she stayed. She was four of seven from three. This is a game that the Mountaineers struggled early. They were only up two by the end of the first quarter, but they outscored Loyola 17-2 to two in the second quarter and then outscored them uh, by double digits in the remaining two quarters as well to start the season 1-0. and oh. This team took a lot of shots, which is exciting to see beyond the arc. They were 12-23 of 23 from three, struggled from the free throw line. Uh, but I'm really excited. Also created 26 points off of turnovers because I know Mark Kellogg wants to play up-tempo. But we'll keep you updated with their season as it progresses. They look good. Both WVU men and women are one know to start the season, uh, and it's going to be exciting to keep up with them as the season goes on. Got a break to take. When we return, we'll be joined by Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker here on Panhandle Sports Live. Not one but two high school football broadcasts this Friday night on WEPM and WCST at 7.30. It's Spring Mills against Spring Valley. He breaks free now to the right side. Oh! Oh, he makes a man miss in the open field. He dives to the end zone, and he's got a touchdown. Max Anderson, a blur in the open field. Then streamed online, it's Jefferson against Wheeling Park. Gets
3: a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside.
1: Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Right here on the Panhandle News Network.
0: You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Text in at 304-263-4321.
1: As you heard it there from Johnny D, you can text us 304-263-4321. It's Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone hanging out with you. Just a couple of days removed from uh, putting the football in the air on Friday nights and uh, playing for some pretty high stakes in uh, round one of the postseason. One of the coaches that will be involved, his team hosting Parkersburg South this Friday night, is Martinsburg's Dave Walker. And coach, how are you on this uh, Wednesday morning?
2: Well, how are you guys?
1: We're doing just fine, Coach. Well, it's kind of interesting. I, I wanted to go back and look through your coaching career at Martinsburg, and I was wondering when the last time you had a bye week going into round one of the playoffs was. I didn't have to look far because the last season you coached in Martinsburg, 2019, you had that game against Musselman and then the bye week before round one against Preston. So, you know, what does a bye week look like for Martinsburg uh, going into a playoff matchup?
2: I think a lot of it is just going back and revisiting some fundamental stuff, um, trying to get healthy, uh, you know, and then, and then trying to maybe, you know, you add a few wrinkles or do a couple of little different things as well just to keep the, the interest high. But uh, and other than that, though, it's pretty much business as usual.
1: Well, Coach, the last two games of the regular season, you got two pretty quality punches uh, from two pretty good defenses in the conference in Spring Mills and Hedgesville. Uh, they were both games that your defense was able to you know keep the pressure on and keep things competitive for the offense to figure things out and put those games away. but uh, you'd have to say coach, I mean those were two really quality defensive performances both from your club and your opponents the last two weeks of the regular season.
2: Yeah, I thought uh, both teams played pretty well, you know, defensively and uh, played hard. I think it was a lot of effort, so uh, I'm really proud of our guys. Are the way that they've really stepped up, you know, when they needed to. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's some good football players in the area, and I think, uh, you know, I think the scores indicate some of that
3: coach I've said time and time again this season I think your team right now is full steam ahead to Wheeling Island I think by far and away your team's playing like the best in the state right now with being that caliber of a team there come some punches that are thrown your way that can maybe test you at points is there a specific game or a specific moment this season and one that's been a really bright one that's been one that's really tested your team and they've fought adversity throughout the season I think we've
2: I think there's been every game we've had at least one or two things where there's been some type of adversity come up. We've had to fight through. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't, there's not one game that really stands out to me. Uh, I thought that, uh, earlier in the year we had some really tough matchups, um, uh, you know, with, with some of the out of the area opponents. And, and then when we're playing our local teams, I, I think everybody just shows up and gives us their best shots. I mean, you know, they play hard, they're excited to play. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes our guys, you know, forget that that we're getting everybody's best opportunity. So, uh, just being able to to turn it up when they need to, you know, every week has been has been a plus.
1: Well, Coach, uh, turning the conversation back to your offense then, I got to see you for the Spring Mills game, and I think what impressed me the most is it seems as though every time I see Martinsburg play, you guys have added a new wrinkle like you talked about into your offense. I mean, watching Murphy take snaps out of the gun, out of the pistol, go under center, you guys went wildcat, you'll bring multiple backs into the backfield, a lot of pre-snap motion. I mean, obviously we're talking to a former college coach now too. I mean, it is a very high-level offense, and it seems as though your playbook has got to be as deep as any teams in the state. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the challenge of fifteen to eighteen year old kids teaching them such a, a complex and, and deep playbook?
2: Well, I think it's something you know everybody struggles with, but uh, yeah, I, you know, we're, it's all about repetition. You know, you gotta you gotta continue to practice well and, and go over things and give them plenty of reps. But we still make a lot of mistakes. And, some mental mistakes that we're, we're all constantly trying to work on. So it, it, it can be challenging, but uh, our coaches, um does a great job. And Britt uh, Sherman's our coordinator, and uh, he does a good job moving guys around and trying to get everybody the ball and taking advantage of the opportunities that we get.
1: Well, uh, what percentage in in terms of the plays that you're calling? I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is similar from your previous stint in 2019 and some stuff added by Coach Sherman over the last couple of years. But, you know, what percentage of the playbook this year are some ideas and concepts and schemes uh, that you brought back with you from the Division II level?
2: Not a lot. You know, three or four concepts, um, three or four passing concepts, and then, you know, a couple of things that that we've talked about in the running game. But uh, pretty much. uh, you know what we do here is the things that, that has evolved over the years, and then when I left, you know, Britt kind of took it to a different level, and we've just kind of maintained. and He's had pretty much full reign over what we're doing offensively. Like I say, I've just I've added a few things here and there. You know, some of it's worked, some of it hasn't. And um, you know, right now, I think it just instead of worrying more about X's and O's, I think you have to worry more about getting the ball into the right players' hands. You know, however, however you can do that.
3: Well, Coach, looking at this roster right now, I'm curious to see who you think are some of these players that have taken that step from being good to great, great to elite this season. Who's been some of the players that have really taken that next step and led your team to an undefeated regular season?
2: Well, I think, I mean, offensively, you, know, you know, things start with Murph. I mean, Murph's been, you know, so experienced and been here. And, and you know, it's just kind of, I don't think what he does, you know, really surprise a lot of people. But I think the, the one young man that is really, Impressed me that has really, you know, stepped up is Corey Fagan. I mean, he's just—he's um, a really uh, a great kid, but just uh, he's done a great job for us. He's very, very, got a lot of speed, really strong, hard runner, and, and really is, is considers himself a quarterback, and uh, and, and he is a quarterback, but uh, made the transition to to, to running back, and has really, really done well. I mean, he's he's just a. Very athletic, and, and he can play just about you know anywhere, multiple spots. So I think the emergence of him, and then uh, Nicholas Buskey's done a good job in there running the ball as well. But a lot of the things we do offensively is centered around our offensive line. So uh, you know those guys have done a good job to to make a lot of those things possible for us.
1: Well, Coach, uh, you mentioned getting the the best punch from every team that you play, and that's not going to be any different coming up this Friday night. This is a Parkersburg South team that's gone through a bit of a metamorphosis, losing their quarterback, but still trying to prove they're amongst the state's top programs. Still a pretty quality quarterback and running back combination. What have you seen from the Patriots? Because it's a a team that likes to score a lot of points.
2: Yeah, I mean, they move the ball around. Um, I think they... You know, offensively, uh, you know, they do a lot of good things. They do a lot of things similar to what we do. Uh, their running back is um, the right kid's a really, really good runner. So I think everything, is, he's the focal point of their offense. So, you know, we've got to be able to, to stop him, you know, from getting to the perimeter and, and doing things. But, uh, and defensively, they're, you know, they swarm with the ball. They're physical, they're tough kids. So uh, and, and we've, we've got our work cut out for us.
1: Absolutely. Well, coach. Uh, lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this. Uh, you know, there's a couple of Martinsburg Bulldogs that are performing at a very high level at the next level. Malachi Brown's having a great season for Shepard. and oh, by the way, a former quarterback of yours has started three consecutive NFL games. Uh, what's that been like watching it as somebody that's gotten to coach and be around players like that? And uh, what's it been like for Martinsburg uh, to now have an NFL quarterback attached to the program?
2: Well, I'm just it's just an overwhelming sense of pride. Uh, I mean, those guys have worked extremely hard. Um, they've had goals, and you know, and, and Malachi as well. Those guys have done you know a great job, just staying, you know, trusting the process, um, working, and not getting discouraged and not running away from competition. I think, especially today, I think a lot of guys want to run away from competition instead of facing it and trying to make themselves better. So those guys have just stepped up to the plate and stayed true to their dreams and we're just really proud of them, you know, and I know the whole community is as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, Coach, as always, we appreciate your time and uh, best of luck this Friday night against Park South. All right. Thank you, guys. All righty. Thank you. That's uh, Coach. Dave Walker of Martinsburg. It sounds like he was in the middle of a like a Mr. Incredible training sequence. Sounds like a train depot or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. The, the conductor will have to start calling him hey Dave man, Walker.
3: Hey, man, I've been saying it. This team's full steam ahead to Wheeling Island. <laughs> and, the, and once again, the, the train's rearing for this team right now. I'm really excited to watch their run this year. It's been a defense that's been elite and has been just smothering on teams this season and you heard coach walker mention some of the offensive pieces clement fagan as well as broski as well both these guys have been fan or all these guys however have been absolutely fantastic for a bulldogs team that again i they're my favorite right now to take the AAA championship in football so they're they're full steam ahead in my opinion you know it
1: was funny looking back at the roster because like i mentioned i wanted to see the last time he had a bye week going into the playoffs and then that round one playoff game was uh, a game that i filled in for andrew Creedy on it was that that eighty-four to nothing Preston game, that was fifty-six to nothing at the end of the first quarter, and then they shut out Spring Mill seventy zip in the second round. Beat Parkersburg South, who had, uh, in my opinion, Brandon Penn should have been the player of the year. They beat them seventy-seven to twenty, and then they beat Cavill Midland on the island forty-nine to twenty-one. As only Martinsburg does, and I say that to say you look back through the years and the really good Martinsburg teams before that. You're you're, you're talking about the Bowie and Bajan era. Throw some Grant Harmon in there for fun. Obviously, a lot more names that the text line could come up with because I've only been uh, familiar with this program the last, well, five or ten years. But I do want to ask this for people that have watched a lot of Martinsburg football. I don't think that—I think it would be irresponsible to say that this Martinsburg team is the best Bulldog team that Dave Walker ever had because there was a team that had an NFL quarterback. But with that being said, this offensive line, I would be hard-pressed— to be convinced that they've ever had an offensive line significantly more talented. This running back room is incredibly talented. Clement will take his name amongst some of the best quarterbacks that have ever played for that program, and they're really athletic on defense. So while they're probably not the best Bulldog team ever, maybe not, they could prove us wrong in the postseason. I mean, they beat a team from Canada, for crying out loud. Um, There are some position groups and players that if you were to today make an all-time Martinsburg football roster, several members of this current Martinsburg team would be on that, in my opinion.
3: Oh, 100%. There's a lot of great players on this roster. You mentioned the offensive line and the defensive line, and that starts with Recep- Hancock
1: and Reed are unbelievable. Han- Hancock
3: and Reed, I mean, those are two college linemen that are playing for this Martinsburg team. When you stack up a uh, sophomore against big 6'1", 280 Rashad Reed or nearly three Bills, Wes Hancock, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a that's a recipe for disaster for them. And I also want to mention EJ Hendrick. He's, yeah. he's played really great for Martinsburg this season on both sides of the trenches too it, it again and that's what I've always believed that great football teams are built in the trenches and that is what Martinsburg has done very well for a long time do you look at the skill positions guys you look at a Jarrod Bowie a Tyson Bajan a Murphy Clement a Coy Fagan uh, Cash Giddy and another guy that's been performing well for them this year too you look at those guys but what people fail to look at more times than not. It's flashy You look at the skill position players, but when you look at the trenches and you see the work that Martinsburg, they control the line of scrimmage, whoever they play against, and that's why they've been so dominant and so consistent for so many years.
1: So Martinsburg takes on Parkersburg South this Friday night at 7.30. As we mentioned earlier, our Game of the Week broadcast is actually going to be a doubleheader. It's going to feature Spring Mills and Spring Valley as well as uh, Jefferson uh, as they take on Wheeling Park. Unfortunately, we aren't going to be able to travel down to, to cover the Musselman game, but video productions will be streaming it, so we'll tweet out that link, and we'll talk to Musselman's head football coach Brian Thomas coming up on the other side of this break. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live.
0: Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network.
1: Welcome back inside the Hoppy Kirchable building here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. It's Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone, hanging out with you on this Wednesday. Just a couple of days in the future, and we'll be talking about some playoff football, and playoff football will be kicking off across the Mountain State. And another team that's involved with that ever-elusive 11th game of the season is the Musselman-Appleman, and their head football coach, Brian Thomas, joins us. And, Coach, how are you on this Wednesday?
4: Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing all right, Coach. Well, uh, let's start by looking back at last week's game against Parkersburg. You know, another really quality offense that you guys matched up with this year. Took a lot of shots, have probably a, a high-level Division Two, if not Division One, quarterback, and a receiver that unfortunately came back at a really inopportune time for you guys in ice. Uh, what was some of your takeaways uh, from the last week's performance and the loss against Parkersburg?
4: Yeah, um, they they were a good football team. Um, you know, give them a lot of credit. They were, I think, they were uh, maybe a little bit better than than what I thought they were. Um, you know, that's not. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but they were just they they were good, man. They were uh, they were really tough. They're really well coached. I knew they were going to be well coached, but just you know, they executed at a really high level um, against us, and and we did not. So you know, it was really disappointing just because you know we put a lot. Put a lot into that game. We talked all week about you know let's let's win to get in um, and kind of control our destiny and, and not leave it up to somebody else for us to get in. Unfortunately, we didn't get that done. So um, you know that that was that was disappointing. Um, but they're like I said, they're a really good football team. Um, you know, definitely a playoff team.
1: Well, Coach, uh, it came at a little bit of a price as uh, starting quarterback Michael Thompson got banged up in the first half of this game uh, and is trending towards probably not playing this uh, Friday against Cavill Midland. But... You know, it's been interesting to watch uh, Eli Fleming was somebody that started for you at the beginning of the season, you know, kind of lost out on the job. uh, But despite that fact, he's always been there on the sideline and waiting for an opportunity to come back into the game uh, and came in and played really, really hard in the second half of play. I mean, that's that's a hard thing for a young man to do to lose his job uh, and yet still be there ready to come in at a moment's notice. And uh, he's probably going to be your starter this Friday, correct?
4: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Eli's gonna start first this Friday, uh, with Mike getting banged up. But you know, we we got a lot of faith in Eli. Uh and we we've talked about that as you mentioned, kind of a, a difficult situation, I guess, a little bit, but you know, we've I've told him every week, I've said, you know, stay ready. Um and you know, he always tells me, he says, I'll I'll be ready. So, um, you know, he's uh he's ready, you know, he's been getting reps in practice, you know, it's it's not like it's not like when you lose that job, especially in the quarterback position, it's not like you just kind of go on the side and then twiddle your thumbs and don't do anything. You know, you still got to get reps in case, um, you know, something happens like something did happen on Friday night. So, you know, he's he's ready for the opportunity. Um, you know, be, being a senior, uh, being a guy that's that's older, you know, the maturity level comes with that a little bit, which I think helps in a situation like this.
3: Coach, one thing I'll mention is your defense, I think, has played absolutely fantastic this year at points. Of course, people look and see Troy. That's where their minds go to at first. But I've been really impressed with Frankie Arias this season. I think he's taken a big step this year. Talk about more from when he started in camp this summer to where he is right now.
4: Yeah, I uh, really like Frankie. Um, you know, Frankie's a Frankie's a young guy for us. Frankie's a sophomore, and you know, you could you could kind of see his uh, growth and maturity last year on the on the freshman level. You know, anytime you get a kid that um, has that size, you know, you really can't teach size. So Frankie's a Frankie's a really long kid, uh, really long in length, um, and, and he's a hard worker and he's an athletic kid uh, too. You know, for for a big tall kid. Sometimes you get those big, tall kids, and they're kind of lanky and non-athletic and kind of unorthodox because they haven't really matured into their body yet. But Frankie's a Frankie's a really good athlete as well. So um, yeah, he's grown this year. You know, he he's taken some bumps and he's learned some things and he's made some mistakes. You you would you know that's that's not a knock on him. That's just you know being a sophomore. Sometimes you you get a learning curve. It's a big jump to play varsity football. But uh, you know, I think Frankie's had a really good season, and our confidence as a coaching staff has grown in him throughout this season. So, you know, excited about him and definitely excited that, you know, after this season we got him for we got him for two more years after this.
1: Well, coach, he's part of a defense that like Parker alluded to, is it's played very well in points this Mm. season, but it's also a defense that plays undersized. I mean, I've seen you play Wollaston uh Boyles and uh, Arias all along that defensive front and it it Mm. seems as though all three of them are kind of more so edge talents. And then you've got Colton Shelton who's Pretty undersized to play linebacker, but, man, he tackles like he's about 100 pounds heavier than he is. I mean, it's been really fun to watch this defense perform. And, Coach, uh, playing with some kind of undersized defensive players that still make plays for you.
4: Yeah, they've really gotten after it. Um, you know, we 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 stunt and we pressure a lot, and we we try to move those guys, kind of like you mentioned, being undersized sometimes. You know the best thing is is utilize what they're good at, and utilize their quickness. so um you know our defensive staff's done a really good job of putting those guys in a position where they could be successful and they can get after it a little bit, and you know we we got a lot of athletes on our team especially on the defensive side of the ball that you know sometimes defense man it it, it is x's and o's but then sometimes it's effort um and, and getting after the football you know good things happen when you swarm to the football and run to the ball so um you know we got a lot of kids that we really like on that side of the ball um and from an effort standpoint give us everything they have
1: well coach i'm curious to ask you this uh because we were concerned when picking our playoff schedule and the games that we're going to try to carry here on wpm and wcst that a bunch of uh, coaches for this upcoming round one of the play playoffs because there were so many long uh, trips that need to be taken and you're going to Cabo Bundling is, is in that group as well that a lot of coaches would pick Saturday for their game time you know as somebody that gets the opportunity to pick when you're going to play as the road team is it because veterans Day is on Friday what what, what went into that decision to decide to still play on a Friday night
4: yeah, I, uh, you know, I, when I looked at it, I thought yeah, there were there were really three things I thought when I was making my decision. I thought to myself, you know, we could play Saturday and then you got to plan the trip out as well. You know, when we played them the first time, we played them on a Friday night um, and we went up, uh, we went up the day of and then we came back uh, that night. So it was a really long day. So. You know, trying to think to myself of when do I want to play, and you know, I thought Saturday. Um, but I'm more of a Friday night lights guy. I've kind of always been like that. Uh, you know, I think I think any time that we've been on the road in my 11 years as a coach, we we picked a lot of Friday nights. Man, I don't know if its off the top of my head, um, but I'm a Friday night lights guy. I just like Friday night. I think it's I think it's a good vibe. You know, we did play a Saturday game this year against Hedgesville, so I kind of thought about that. Uh, but then, you know, trying to plan the trip and then thinking, you know, I like that. And then, like you mentioned, you know, Friday being Veterans Day, I thought, hey, we're going to be off school anyway. So, you know, we we got it planned out pretty good. Um, you know, I, I, I think our, our trip's going to be good. You know, we got a lot of stuff to keep the kids uh, busy and the kids excited um, that I think they'll enjoy the trip. Um, and we'll have a lot of fun with the trip. But, yeah, you know, I, I just just I, I guess ultimately being a Friday night liked guy, I just thought, you know, that that fit us the best.
3: Well coach keeping with the game this upcoming Friday of course you matched up with Cabell Midland back on October the 6th do you think it's more advantageous that you're seeing a team for a second time in Cabell Midland in the Knights or are there some challenges when maybe playing a team a second time maybe some new wrinkles thrown into the game plan or things of that nature what, what's your opinions on that?
4: Yeah um yeah good question really good question you know I I I kind of like both ways. I like playing new people that you haven't seen, um, and, and, you know, a new environment, a new opponent. I do like that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I do like playing somebody a second time too. And, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I've coached long enough and I've been in enough playoff games where I've been in situations like this and, you know, I, I like. Playing somebody a second time because you can go back and look at a film, and you can, you know, you can literally see how does how does our guy match up against their guy? Can we can this kid block that kid? Does he need help blocking that kid? You know, what what's their adjustment going to be when we give them this formation? So you know, there's a lot of stuff you can see. You know, ha- having said that, it's not it's not like it's a huge advantage for us because they have the exact same thing. So you know, they're they're probably saying the same thing. But you know, I, I do like that fact that you can go back and kind of look at somebody and look at. What they gave you and how how they adjusted to stuff and you know what you think you can do and, and you know different things like that you can you can literally see your personnel um, you know with your own eyes against their personnel.
1: Absolutely, well, coach. As always, we appreciate the time. Congratulations on uh, reaching the playoffs and uh, best of luck coming up this Friday.
4: Hey, thanks, guys. I I appreciate you know your coverage all year, um, everything you guys have given us. Appreciate that.
1: All righty, thank you, Coach. And again, that's uh, Brian Thomas of those Muscleman appleman They take on Capital Midland coming up this Friday night. We won't be able to carry that game, but uh, we will tweet out the link when we get it from Video Productions. They do a great job, and you'll be able to watch the – the broadcast of that game coming up on Friday night. The two games that we're covering, of course, the two games that we haven't talked about today, we will talk about tomorrow when we're joined uh, by Craig Hunter. And then on Friday as well, when we get to talk to Marcus Law, I'm really excited. I'll tell you this, and it's funny because we'll uh, we'll put out more graphics and things and and coverage as the game gets closer. Uh, But you can find on our Twitter page right now us retweeting um, uh, the metro news coverage for Class AAA this week, yeah. and each of them picked what their game of the week was. Greg Carey picked uh, Spring Mills and Spring Valley, and Joe Mercado, uh picked that uh, Jefferson Wheeling. Sounds like game. the listeners of the show. it <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> big fans of the show, either. But regardless, I mean, those are two pretty high profile games. Removed from the two we're talking about here, because you got a Martinsburg team that is trying to stake the claim as the best Martinsburg team of all time. Yeah. You've got a Musselman team that you know has gone through a lot of adversity. But, you know, whenever they step on the field in the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. And then, of course, we've got two really high-octane matchups towards the middle of the bracket as well.
3: Now, this is really exciting. Again, having four teams from this area make the playoffs and each one of these matchups have a unique wrinkle to them is so fun to cover and be a part of. Again, we have a Martinsburg team that's looking dominant right now. They, Again, like we mentioned, they went to Canada and beat a team in a showcase. They've been dominant for the most part this entire season and are trying to win yet again another state championship And what is Coach Dave Walker's return back to the program. He's really turned into a mid-Atlantic region powerhouse at this point. You've got a Spring Mills team that's having a magical run. Marcus Law steps in and head coach for this season, and he's led this team to the best record in school history. And they take on a Spring Valley team that started off 0-4, but have won six straight games. Uh, this is uh, in two teams that run the ball proficiently and one of the state's best quarterbacks in Max Anderson and an offensive line for Spring Mills that has been plowing people this season. You've got Jefferson, all the skilled players on that roster. Tayshon Roper, Keyshawn Robinson, Dylan Herrick has taken that step this year for the Cougars, where, again, if they don't lose to Sharando Week 2, this could be a top-four team in Class AAA, if you look at it. And they're taking on a Wheeling Park team that have had their questions. Of course, you lose – you. Uh, well, I don't know why his name is escaping me right now, the uh, wide receiver for Park. Dre Hawkins. Dre Hawkins, thank you. You lose Dre Hawkins to IMG Academy, but yet again, you're bringing in guys like Michael Davis, who's had a fantastic year for the Patriots, and that's a high-scoring affair. And then I'm also a team that's got their backs up against the wall. They faced some adversity this season, a defense that's played really tough. That's going to try and upset the number one team in the state right now in the uh, playoff bracket in Cabell Midland. So ton of wrinkles, ton of storylines, and that is why we love playoff football.
1: We got another break to take when we return. We'll get Parker's picks and we'll wrap up the show for this Wednesday as well. You're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live.
0: You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network.
1: Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live. You can t- get in touch with us 304 263 4321. Got a lot to talk about today. Uh, curious, so your thoughts as always. Musselman brings a lot of interesting conversation to the text line, and uh, Musselman, I should say, and then uh, Martinsburg as well. When we talk about how good this team is compared to Martinsburg teams in the past, and there are many quality teams to choose from. But as always, I'm Luke Wiggs, and he is Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginners luck, 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 uh-huh. luck. luck, luck.
3: Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proven it it's never fails. Never failed once. Oh man, college basketball comes back and we get a great one. Auburn almost made the comeback last night over Baylor, but the Bears hang on eighty eight to eighty two. That was lock of the day for yesterday. We were able to hit that one. Bonus picks were are unable to hit. As I bring it up, the ghosts of Dunk City almost did it again. <laughs> the uh, Indiana barely hold on to beat Florida Gulf Coast, 69-63. to 63. And then Maryland just barely is unable to cover the spread against Mount St. Mary's, 68-53. to 53, The Terpies got the win over the Mount yesterday. So, turning to today. I, we'll call this a mixed bag for Parker's Picks today. It's Wednesday. we got a lot going on. So we're going to go with the lock of the day. They were a big story last year, and I think they keep the momentum from last year going. I think Florida Atlantic, the number 10 ranked team in the nation in college basketball, is able to get a win over Loyola Chicago, breaking Sister Jean's heart. And Florida Atlantic's able to get a win in this contest. I'm she's excited. still kicking it, isn't she? I believe so. Is she like 103? It's she's older than that. Is it? I think she's
1: like... I don't know. Take take a, is that your official guest 103? I'm I'm a guest 103. Sister Jean is 104. 104. I was going to say Almost. like 106. of So you 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 got me there.
3: She's she she's still rolling, but it's not enough for Loyola as Florida Atlantic will beat them today. I don't know. I think she's got about 6 rebounds in her. I don't know. Oh gosh. I, and and what in the, in the uh, and <laughs> the uh Senior Center League or I, whatever. I have a
1: feeling she's money from the charity stripe. Oh gosh.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't expect us to get into a Sister Jean <laughs> conversation at 8.50 in the morning. But anyway, Florida Atlantic is our lock of the day. They beat Loyola Chicago. Uh, give a little shout out to uh, former Shepard uh, Athletic Director Chauncey Wimbush here. I'm going with the uh, Miami of Ohio Redhawks. I got them covering an alternate spread of 10 points against Akron. I they think that Miami of Ohio, they're 6-2 entering today. And they're going to take on the Zips, who are two and seven. So I think Miami of Ohio is able to win by 10 over Akron at home. And then this is also an interesting day because this is Wemby debut in the garden today. Mm. He's going to take on the Knicks in New York. So I got him over 19 and a half points today. That's a line set right now. I think that's a money line. I mean, it's Wemby in the garden. It's. We, we The talk's been this is the next generational superstar in basketball. I think he's able to score over 20 points in his debut in the Garden. So we're going for, again, our lock is for Atlantic over Loyola Chicago in college basketball. Miami of Ohio beating Akron by 10 points. And then Victor Wembanyama scores 20-plus for the Spurs tonight against the Knicks.
1: Texter says, I love when you derail Park. <laughs> oh, you don't have to give me a reason to do it more than that. It doesn't take do. much. Don't worry, don't worry. We want to set the over-under for for Sister Jean on 10 attempts from the Charity Stripe. I'm absolutely here for it. By the way, in that Baylor-Auburn game, uh, and it was uh, fun to watch, like you mentioned. I caught up with the highlights this morning. Uh, Jalen Bridges, 4 of 10 from the field, 13 points, 7, making 8 rebounds in that game for Baylor. I mean, they're asking for him to have a huge season. We get to the part of the year every year. This is two years in a row, maybe three years in a row for Bridges. And it happened to Lamont West as well when he was at WVU, where... Nobody really knows how to predict the NBA draft, especially in the second round. So when they're filling out mock drafts, they look for NBA archetypes and they think, well, here's a six, nine guy that shoots, has a potential to shoot 38% from three. Well, I'm going to mock Jalen Bridges as a second round pick. And then everybody else that has seen Jalen Bridges play is thinking, well, I don't know if he's ready for that leap to the NBA yet, but maybe he is. Baylor is uh, going to be one of the teams to beat in the big 12, which for my money remains the top col- uh, conference in college basketball. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see. Certainly, I mean, he would certainly help WVU if he was still here. <laughs> oh, for, <laughs> but for anybody a with a pulse could help the WV basketball. Yeah, team right absolutely. Now. They just need some bodies.
3: Well, they were they were talking. I saw some people on uh, social media yesterday talking about the uh, debuts for former WV players across different schools from transfers and the like
1: a didn't play in one yeah, minute. Yeah, Conquo had one <laughs> rebound
3: in one minute. Uh, there was uh, Trey Mitchell had I think at least a decent showing for Kentucky. I yeah. think he had around like nine and six for his showing. And then Mo I think, maybe only had a couple points for Alabama. Yeah, a so. lot of
1: those guys would be... I mean, at Wagee's case, you understood it, to be honest with you, because, you know, A. Cook, A. Cook was coming in, uh, and you knew Jesse Edwards. He was going to have a yeah. hard time playing and cracking that rotation. Mitchell stinks, to be honest with you. It would be awesome to see a small lineup with both him and Quince lazinski on the floor. Oh, that would be great. I know you talk about floor spacing. I mean, that is floor spacing. Uh, the Oconqua one was also similar you know, he's one of those players where I, I really don't think he's tall enough to be a five at a high level power five team. But he's probably just not that good at uh, dynamic enough to be a four. Um, but he's a great shot blocker. And I know that's why North Carolina was interested in Hubie and uh, what they're doing. over he's there. He's a
3: great four in 2005. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. DeConco, I mean, right? he's
1: got he's not he can't really handle the ball. He can't really hit anything from more than 10 feet away from the rim. Um, but, you know, we thought the same thing early about Kanate, and then he turned out to have a pretty good jump shot and was yet another WVU player that probably left a year early because he thought he was going to get drafted and then did not get drafted. Uh, but anyways, I say all that to say, uh, as you mentioned, it was a really exciting game last night between Baylor and Auburn. Uh, and the Tigers, I, I like what they have this year. Um, obviously, Johnny Broom, uh, Mountaineer fans are familiar with. Uh, was their top performer in the game, and it's going to be fun uh, to see what they can do this season as well with uh, the rest of college basketball. Uh, just a couple of moments left in the show. Three zero four two six three four three two one is the text line. You can derail our conversation if you like. We'll say no. Anything else you want to touch on before we vacate for today, Park? What was that one more time? I'm sorry. Anything else you wanted to touch on today?
3: Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of the different stuff we have going on right now. And there's, the shock of yesterday was uh, Will Levis is now the full-time starter for the Titans.
1: and We course... didn't get an opportunity to talk about the Craig Council thing either. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did want to talk about that yesterday. So please, uh, Craig Council, get, talk a little Major League Baseball here. By the way, uh, before Baseball in the Mountain State, uh, texts me again and then reminds me, Chase Delauders is having a really, really good fall league. Uh, and we need to talk about that more, and I promise that we will. But anyways, Greg Council.
3: So this was insane a couple of days ago. So Greg Council had been managing the Milwaukee Brewers for a number number of years now. At this point, he he ends up getting poached yesterday, or rather, two it was ago. two days ago. Two days ago, and he is now the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Their current manager, no idea about it, so he just loses his job because another guy gets hired in it out of thin air. So now they he's exploring different options, but. It's a uh, definitely nuts, and the you know, I'm trying to think of anything similar to it. If there's been a situation where there's been a coach in place and someone, I hired, man,
1: Chicago just loves setting piles of money on fire.
3: <laughs> it's it seems to be the trend in the windy city. They like to just take bags of money and light it ablaze. Whether it's trading for Montez Sweat and paying him a hundred million dollars or signing. Uh, Signing the manager for a ton of money. It's uh, one it's of the, the largest
1: ones. manager's uh, contract. Yeah, in it's, baseball it's uh,
3: it's bigger than the Joe Torrey contract with the Yankees back in the day. So it's uh, the uh, they're hoping they're gonna hold out. Well, now how, who are they? How are they gonna pay Belly? I mean, that's my wonder now. How are they gonna pay Cody Bellinger after he had a resurgence after paying a ton of money, unless they're Going that way. But I, I mean, I like Chicago's roster right now, too. I think they look really good. Pete Crow Armstrong, I'm really excited about for next season. He's a really good outfielder and a really good defender. But if Bellinger can keep the momentum and it's not a one year wonder to try and get a big contract, they got to resign Mark, Marcus Strowman. There, there's some pieces on the Cubs' lineup. Nico Horner is still one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. There's a there's some momentum on this Cubs team to maybe make some noise in the National League Central. That's pretty down if we think right now when you got a young team like the Reds and the Pirates and a Cardinals team with a lot of questions and now the Brewers have a lot of questions because they're going to go find a manager. There's a uh, the door's wide open in the NL Central. and I think this might have been a
1: power move by the Cubs. Absolutely. Uh, if you missed any of your part of today's show, we're going to post it on our Panhandle News Network Spotify. Coming up in just a couple of moments' time, it's the state volleyball tournament today. Coverage coming up on our Twitter page at EP Sports Network. As first up, it's Hedgesville and Hurricane, and then Musselman GW. After that, this has been Panhandle Sports Live for Park. I'm Luke. We'll talk to you tomorrow.